Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Well, we are going to launch into a series called Facing Fear. This is uh, there's some parts of this message that uh, the Lord has been working in and through my life as we've been meeting with leaders and doing development with leaders, and God's just been bringing more and more revelation to how the enemy is using fear to control, manipulate, and constrict the kingdom of God. Uh, the Lord spoke to me uh, probably about a year, year and a half ago to sit down and begin just doing mentoring or discipleship with, with leaders that are coming through our space. And many of you guys have sat with myself and uh, Mariah Anderson. And, and, and I, I knew the Lord wanted to teach us some stuff. So I feel like this is the right time where we're going to come in and I don't believe we know everything about fear, all right? But I do believe God has given us some revelation that is going to help us break through and break off some of the deceptive and destructive ways that the enemy has been manipulating and constricting and destroying the church for many, many years. So just stay with me, stay with us as we peel this apart week by week and we look in to how fear and the different components of fear, good and bad, all right, how they are moving and manipulating and uh, leading us astray. But also, one of the things we want to talk about today is, is the foundation of fear, is that God himself created fear. Okay, so we have to understand the starting place and for, for why does fear exist and why is it present? What did God create it for? Because if God made it, it's what? Good, because everything that God made was good. And he made you, he made me, he created us, and we look into Genesis and the origin of creation, we see purpose. God gave purpose. He actually gave purpose to the things he created, and it, and it was good. So inside of your life, my life, is this wild thing called fear. And the, the dangerous thing about fear, if we don't understand it, why God made it, and how to respond to it appropriately, or how the enemy uses unhealthy fears to manipulate and destroy our lives, or come against the Lord, then we're going to get pushed all around. We are actually going to be driven uh, all over the place, restricted, confused. We are going to get messed up because fear is the most powerful motivator on the planet. It is the most powerful motivator on the planet. What you are afraid of drives you. And I want you to look here. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Or it's the beginning of wisdom is what the NIV says. It's the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in what? Good judgment or right understanding. 
There is a reward for fearing the Lord appropriately. And remember, you're motivated. You have the greatest motivator from the thing you're the most afraid of. And we ought to be the most afraid of God. The God of the universe who created everything and in his hands, he holds the keys to heaven and hell. This actually is a fearful thing. But we do need to understand what type of fear we're talking about. Because there's more than one kind of fear and that's usually where we get really off track. So facts about fear, one, it's the most powerful motivator in your life. It's one of the primary motivators that the, the enemy uses as a tool of destruction. Just think about that. It's really not a bad strategy. The most powerful motivator, why would the enemy not use it? Why would he not try to pervert and manipulate it? It's a good strategy. And so he is always trying to get the most bang for his buck. And so he is a master of manipulating fear. Fear is also given by God. And it's useful when seen and responded to correctly. Because the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. When we fear God, it actually creates a foundation in our life that builds wisdom and wisdom the bible teaches us leads to life always throughout proverbs james new covenant wisdom leads to life and wisdom is the truth applied to your life when you understand what is true and what is really right or righteous then when you apply it to your life you are wise if you don't apply it to your life you're foolish right but wisdom always leads to life. And so the foundation of understanding God right or fearing him properly leads to wisdom, which leads to life. So the foundation of, of understanding and the fear of God, it leads to life. So the simple answer is, is fear good or bad? It really is both. It really is both. Is that fear was made from God and so the, the origin of what God created in fear is good, but the simplicity of that, the fact that fear is so easily perverted and manipulated, it can cultivate chaos, restriction, and death. So we need to be able to discern the difference between the two. Healthy fears, let's just define them as healthy fears and unhealthy fears. How about useful fears and useless fears? See, one leads us to the Father's house, and one leads us to a snake pit. We need to know which one we're being driven to. Romans 8.15 says this, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you slaves again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. One leads to slavery, and one leads to 
Abba. We need to know the difference. One is the Father's house. It's Abba God in his house, in his home. And the other is slavery in a snake pit and in chains. I want to be led to the Father's home. See, the devil, he's going to try to attach fear, the spirit of fear, to anything he can. Anything he can get. And in fact, the definition of this fear is really when you look at you did not re- what the spirit you did not receive is the spirit of fear. And that fear word in the Greek is phobia, which most are phobos, which is most of the time used, almost all the time used as a negative fear. And in this context, for sure, it is. And it is also the root word of where we get phobia, which is this common probably they say the most common mental illness in the United States, and it suggests that uh, most people that deal with phobias, actually they take this, sim- this phobia, this fear, and it gets attached to something. And then we give it a name, which is ridiculous, by the way. If you ever look up lists of phobias, it's kind of hilarious, and then not funny at the same time, Okay. Because people are actually really terrified phobia of this. And so there are many phobias that actually cause very serious impacts in people's lives. Uh, specifically, they fall into major, four major categories. Fear of natural environment, fear related to animals, and fear related to medical treatments or issues, and then fear related to specific situations. Like I said, the devil will attach fear to anything he can in your life. Look at this. Uh, Iraq, <laughs> I can't even say all these, but I'm gonna screw them all up. I wanna say Iraq, it's not arachnophobia, but it's acrophobia is the fear of heights, okay? Um, the fear of failure is acticulophobia, okay, I got it, close enough. Fear of failure, Oops, and we got some of that going on, right? Uh, Acra chip butteryophobia is the fear of peanut butter. People are afraid of peanut butter. You look, a taxophobia, the fear of the IRS. No, um, uh, <laughs> it's actually a taxophobia. Fear of disorder and untidiness. Some of y'all have that fear. Barophobia, the fear of gravity, good luck surviving. You're just going to go to outer space, I guess. Okay. Uh, Chinophobia, the fear of snow. You probably don't live in Alaska. I'm I'm guessing hardly anybody here has the fear of snow. You only come out in the summers. Uh, Now, this one might be more common. I guess it's choreophobia, the fear of clowns. Clowns are creepy. But that, there's a difference between, okay, that's creepy and I don't want to be with you ever, or I'm actually terrified. And there's a reaction that's happening physiologically whether you're around as a clown or not. <laughs> fear of insects, emphenophobia, the fear of teenagers. Genophobia, the fear of knees. 
Okay, here's one of my favorite ones. I'm going to totally butcher this. Hippopotomonostrosisequipidealeophobia. The fear of long words. <laughs> Legit right there. That's so dumb. <laughs> Somebody did that on purpose. That's <laughs> so stupid. Megalophobia, the fear of large things, the fear of germs. Uh, octophobia, the fear of eight, the number, the figure eight. Telling you, you can be afraid of anything. You can be afraid of snakes, the fear of kissing. Bummer. Fear of children. I think I have that one. The fear of school. I guarantee that I have that. Fear of bald people. <laughs> Run for your lives. Fear of flying fire, ferns, or feet. Philo, ferns, literally. You can be afraid of a fern. Philophobia. Now, these are all documented phobias that doctors are helping people through and giving them anxiety medication to break through in because it's for real. But look at this. These are the, ones, the two that I wanted to say for the end is the fear of love. Who sounds like they're behind that? And look at this. Phobia, phobia. The fear of phobias. The devil will attach the spirit of fear to anything he can in your life. Your situations, your stuff, your animals, anything he can. Because if he gets it on you and he gets you to see it and it begins to just percolate in your life, it will consume everything. Your whole life will get so restricted and so constricted, you will stop seeing the will of God, the purpose of God in your life. This phobia, this word phobos, means terror. It causes a person to run or panic. When he says, I didn't give you this spirit of fear, I didn't give you this phobos, I didn't give you this fear or terror that causes you to run or panic, or to flee and withdraw. To, because one of the things that's injected into this understanding is that it comes from a feeling of being inadequate. I'm not enough to overcome whatever that is or to be worthy to be in the presence of whoever it is. Without sufficient resource. Phobos is commonly used in scripture in a negative way when withdrawing from the Lord himself. It means to separate or remove oneself to avoid because of dread and fright. This fear causes us to separate from, flee, remove ourselves, to run because we feel ina inadequate, or to avoid because of dread. And the enemy will cause that fear to get on anything. And if you don't fear God, you will fear everything. 
Come on, if you and I don't learn how to fear God appropriately and understand what it means to fear him, we will fear everything. Because the fear of God leads to a foundation of wisdom and life. But so many times we look at the fear of God and we're like, oh God, you're gonna punish me and beat me up. It's like, no. Because if I take myself, whom is not perfect, and I bring myself into the perfection of God, I feel like, oh, he's gonna punish me for being bad. And when I am bad, then I, I'm even, even more afraid because I have a phobos of God rather than a reverence for God, which comes from a different word. And in the Hebrew, this word is yira. And when, we, when it talks about the fear of God out of that Proverbs passage in Proverbs 10, right? 9.10, it says that yira, the yira of the Lord, the yira of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, not the phobo of the Lord. The yira of the Lord, and the, this word yira is this powerful word that means awesome, extreme, reverence. And it has this connotation that in respect and reverence, it causes a person to draw near because in that presence is protection because of how awe-inspiring and big and powerful and amazing it is. See, when the God of the universe speaks into your life and he says, I am, everybody falls down. Because then you're the presence of true power. And when we see that power is not to punish us, rather protect and love and guard us, we're in the arms. I love this song we were just singing. I'm in the arms of my father. His biceps are like this. And I'm just in him, and you can't even barely see my face because his biceps are so big. <laughs> All you imaginative people, loving that. He's so powerful that when you yira him and you draw into his presence, you know nothing can harm you. Nothing can separate you from his grasp. Nothing can snatch you from his power and his presence. Nothing can get to you when you yira, when you reverence and you fear the Lord your God. He pulls you in to his loving arms. See, there's a worship, there is a fear of God. When we see him right, he is awe-inspiring. He is everything with just his words. He holds the entire universe in balance and existence. He didn't even have to use his hands to make it. And oh, do I fear him. Do I revere him. And when I see him right, and Jesus said, if you knew me, you would know the Father. And when you watch the way Jesus was, what did Jesus do? He came. He came. The most powerful, loving, full of glory, all-powerful being. We call him God. He came. He came for you. He came for me. He said, I didn't come to condemn this world. I came to bring it life. 
I came to show my presence and all my glory. I'm going to show you what real love is and how worth it you are to me. And in that, you will fear me. You will revere me in awe of seeing all my power displayed in sacrifice for you. It's beautiful. We need to understand what it means to yira the Lord. To fear the Lord, it brings honor and respect and reverence to him. Look here in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. We see the life of Abraham. And Abraham is called by the Lord to do something totally radical. And if we don't see God right, we can think this is weird. But this is amazing. In fact, this is the story of Jesus coming for you. And this is the first time, really, that it was told. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped the wood for the fire for a burnt offering and set off for the place that God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. You see that? We will worship there. And then we will come right back. We will worship there, and we will come right back. This is real faith. This is real fear. This is real reverence. This is real yera. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on whose shoulders? Isaac's shoulders. Sound like somebody else? A little bit like Jesus? He placed the wood for the offering on his son, his one and only son, while he himself carried the fire and knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire, we have the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Not God will sacrifice you. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. He wasn't lying to his son right there. He was telling him what he believed was true. He was Yira, the father. Fear of God. But in the fear of God, we also know him and know him right. Who he is, what he will do, and what he won't do. 
God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering and as Abraham answered and they both walked together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar. He arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar atop the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. (laughs) Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly yera God. You truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw the ram caught in the, by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yera which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The same very mountain that Jesus did himself go up on to be sacrificed is the same mountain that Abraham stood there to set, was willing to give his son up for the Lord because he truly feared God. Now, I want you to see some things here is that Abraham knew that his God was loving and good. And he knew that his God was not a God that asked for human sacrifice. He already knew that. And he had a covenant with this God. And so this God already made him a promise that his son would be like the sand in the sea and on the seashore and, and that he would build a great nation from his son. So he knew, and Hebrews says this, he knew in faith that God would not do this thing. There was something else happening, but he feared God so much that he didn't question him. He just went where God asked him, and he knew that God would show him the way. Because he feared God. See, this is one of the things, is when we reverence God, we fear him so much that we actually don't want to be out of his will. Because out of his will is, is loss. Out of his will is, uh, is, our, is lack. Out of his arms is a lack of protection, is being exposed. And he's like, I don't know what the heck you're up to, Lord, but I do trust you. And I also trust in the promise you gave me. And so when I'm telling my son where the burnt offering is, he don't know I'm gonna lay him on the altar. But I know you and you're gonna provide. And I fear you so much, I reverence you so much, I don't need all the answers. But see, when I get caught in Phobo, or Phobos, I need all the answers because Phobos makes you feel out of control and that you get this enormous fear of death, actually that your life could be exposed and hurt and harmed. And if, you, if that happens to you, then you'll lose your life and you'll lose everything that's important to you and you might as well be dead. And it just spools out so radically and you have no control and so your fear tries to get control. Phobos tries to always get control of everything around it, but when we fear the Lord, we have no control. God, you have all the control. 
And actually, I fall into Yira. I fall into your arms in reverence and love because there I know I'm safe and protected. See, Abraham knew even in the instructions, he was safer in the arms of God than doing it on his own. And he didn't allow his phobos to take over his life. Instead, he worshiped God and he even told his son in faith, not lying to him, I believe God is providing a ram. I don't know how it's gonna happen. I'm just doing what he told me to do. And as I get to the, we get to the right place, my faith in who he is, I know something amazing is gonna happen. His heart, he knew that God's heart was to help and not to harm. That God's heart was to love and not to destroy. And that that promise, God wouldn't break. So knowing that, it drew him in fear and reverence to God. See, this weird word, Yerda, it actually draws us to him. It's amazing. Fear doesn't make us, fear of God, the right reverence kind of fear draws us into him because we know there is what's best. The fear of God also brings favor and blessing. After this, we saw Abraham just, just absolutely, God pours out abundant blessing after blessing on Abraham in his life. And in fact, the Bible says that it wasn't by his actions, but rather by his faith he was made right. Abraham's faith, his yera, his fear of God, made him right. Exodus 1, 15, this crazy other story happens when Pharaoh tell in Egypt, he gives this order to the Hebrew midwives and he says to them, help, when you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the, the baby is a boy, kill him and if it's a girl, let her live. Sheesh. But because the midwives feared God, Yerat God, all right, reverence God. They refused to obey the king's orders and they allowed the boys to live. And when this happened, God began to give all the midwives tons of babies. They start having babies like crazy. God actually pours out a huge blessing on these midwives because they, Yerat God, they would not allow the government or the world around them, the pressures of the world, the phobos of what that government could do to me, what an official could do to me, they feared God greater. And they reverenced him and it pulled them into something. It pulled them into right living, what they knew was right because they knew it was wrong to murder. And so they knew that God would never want them to do that. And so instead of obeying the Pharaoh, they obeyed God and it drew them into this reverence. Guys, I'm not preaching a message on abortion right now. But if you're confused about abortion, look at this passage. If we fear the social pressures of our world that say that we should kill our babies? I'm just saying. No, God, I yell at you. I fear you more. God, I fear you more than what the world and what that could reject me or what they could say about me, God. I fear you, and Lord, I would never, I won't participate. I'm not gonna fund it. I'm not gonna participate in it. Come on, church. 
I know, and if you've, if you've made a decision like that in your life, you, uh, my heart is with you, God is with you. There's no punishment because it's covered by the blood of Jesus, but we're not saying it was right. And you would never say that was right as a believer. You'd be like, this is one of the worst, hardest things that ever happened to me in my life. The devil told me out of Phobos that it was gonna be something good for me and that if I didn't kill my baby, like Pharaoh says, hey, we gotta kill all these babies to solve a problem. And that's the same story we're hearing right now. Let's kill a bunch of babies so we can solve a problem? Like your life would be hard, so what? It actually is pretty good. It might be the thing you need to grow up, take responsibility. But more than anything, God, I want to be found in your presence. I want to yearra you. I want to move into your love because, God, I know that in that place I'm going to be protected and secure and I'm going to find life. And also I get blessing and favor like Abraham, like these midwives. Deuteronomy 5.29 says this, Oh, that they would always have hearts like this, that they might fear me and obey all my commands. If they did, they and all their descendants would prosper forever. If you fear God, it brings prosperity into your life, not punishment. He doesn't say, if you fear me, I'm gonna beat you up all the time. If you fear and reverence me, you're not actually fearing punishment or bad things that could happen to you. No, God, I'm reverencing you and I'm coming into your power and your glory and your goodness and your love that is always for me and protecting me and guarding me. In fact, it is the foundation of wisdom and life in my, in my entire life. And if I do that and teach my kids to do that, Lord, you're gonna bless me and my generations to come. This promise is not withdrawn. This is a promise for you, for me today. And Romans 8, 15, a very famous passage. If you do not, uh, if you, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave. Think about that being a slave to fear. Phobos will make you a slave. The devil wants to make you his slave. And he wants to use fear to imprison you. And he wants you to think that fearing God is the same thing. And he wants to confuse those two things. Is that you start to fear God in a Phobos kind of way. And you don't understand his true nature. And you attach things. He'll attach fear, a spirit of fear to God. He'll attach it to anything he can. So you see God wrong, and then it constricts your relationship with God and makes you want to run away versus a spirit that is not timid, a spirit that is not weak, a spirit that is powerful and strong, and it causes you to draw into a relationship with God. Abraham's trust and faith in and fear of God, it led him to draw near to God, to leave a place he was and go into a new place that he didn't know where, where he was going. And he led him to a specific place and specific instructions where God began to lead him and instruct him to do things, and it led him to righteousness. He actually was led into righteousness. When you fear God, he begins to lead you into righteousness. It's beautiful. Phobos, we'll talk about this more as the series goes on, 
it will always lead you to run from the presence of God. It'll cause you to flee, to retreat, to withdraw because you feel inadequate in his presence. If you don't understand what Jesus came to do, what the living God came to do for you, you will not draw near to him in fear and reverence. Instead, you will phobos and run, thinking you're not enough, you never could be enough, how could God love you? These are all fear tactics of the enemy to attach wrong assignments to God's motives. Romans 5, 19, for just as through disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. When we fear God and we reverence him, when we hear at God, he makes us righteous. He draws us to him and makes us righteous. The blood of Jesus is the thing that makes you and I righteous, that covers all of the sin that you could ever have in your life. And because of that, when we see God right, is a God that forgives sins from generation to generation. A God that is merciful and loving from generation to generation. Not a God that is wanting to punish. Look at 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. Phobos in love. But perfect love drives out fear. This perfect love means a mature or fulfilled kind of love. It drives out phobos because fear has to do, that phobos kind of fear has to do with punishment. We're going to talk about this passage more as we go, but I just want to drop it in here as you're thinking about it. That fear has to do with punishment, and then we see God wrong. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. When we fear God because we think he's going to punish us, when we're covered by the blood of Jesus, we don't know him. If we knew him, we'd draw near to him. Ephesians 3.12, because of Christ, our faith, and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. You can reverence or yira, you can fear God, when you know him right, because of your faith in Christ, you can now come boldly because you're not afraid of punishment. Hebrews 4.16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Isn't this beautiful? When you fear and reverence God, he makes you righteous, he makes you bold, he fills you with wisdom, and he draws you close into his heart, into his life. And he pulls you close and he protects you and guards you, forgives you, he washes you clean. He makes you right. When you're afraid of who you are and that God won't love you for who you are, you see him wrong and you phobos and run. And the devil goes, yes. All right, I'll attach that to anything I want, but when we see him right, we, and we understand what he's done for us, and we fear him properly, we run to him, and he then begins to cleanse and break off everything. And I want you to see this as we close this message. John chapter 14, verse one, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
Trust in God and trust also in me. There, this is Jesus, there is more room, there is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to, I would not have told, I would, what am I saying? If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Yes. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. What a great promise. So that you will always be where I am. There is more than enough room in your father's house. His arms are plenty big enough and his blood of his son, his one and only son, who literally carried his own cross, his own wood for you to be a sacrifice, to be the lamb for you, that guy, his blood, it runs far and deep and wide enough to cover every sin, to make you righteous. And his Holy Spirit has come to dwell inside you. So don't let your heart be troubled. Yera, fear God. Run to him. Yes, fear what life would be like without him. I am, I am appropriately afraid of what life outside of God's will and his presence would be. I lived there before. That was Phobos. That was messed up. And now, as I'm in his presence, I could never go away. I fear him too much. I reverence him too much. I'm in awe of him too much so my heart won't be troubled or disturbed or in confusion or terrified or stirred up because God wants me in his home. See, the promise is that God wants you in his home and he says, I prepared it for you and I'm, I'm waiting there for you and I want you to be there with me. So fear me and come to me, not run from me. John 3.16 says this. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave, just like on that mountain with Isaac and with Abraham, he gave the sacrifice. And instead of asking for Abraham's one and only son, instead he allowed that son to live and produce the children of God that he would send his son to come and die on that very same mountain to prove his love for us. And in that very place, his one and only son gave his life so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, an eternal place in the Father's home. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We need to learn how to yira, to fear the Lord. And when we fear him appropriately, church, it leads us into righteousness, made right, desiring to live right, to be in the power of his presence because we know that's the best life we could ever have. But God came here for you. He came here for me and it's personal. You're not a group in a crowd. You're a person. And each one of you, you're not a name in a seat or a badge of honor for some pastor to have in his church. You are a child of the king. 
You belong to him. And he came for you, specifically for you. So if you close your eyes with me in here for a moment, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and for, this, for salvation, to, to receive you into his house, if you've never done that, then I'd love to pray with you. The Bible says very simply, whosoever calls on his name will be saved. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you're here today and you say, that's me, I'd love to pray. Would you raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you right where you're seated. Anybody here, Jesus, I'm ready to give my life over to you. I'd love to pray right now. God, I want to be in your house. Anybody here? I don't see any hands right now, but let's pray this. Jesus, you are God. And I fear you. I reverence you. Save me. Rescue me. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, before we leave, I do want to do something. I want to pray that we have a shift. That we have a shift in how we see God and maybe even repent for some ways we've allowed the enemy to distract or confuse how we see him, right? And assign things to God that isn't him. You know, it's kind of a big deal to call God names. My mama said, don't call nobody no names unless they're good ones. God, I call you holy. God, I call you righteous. I call you king. I call you Lord. I call you master. I call you savior, lover of my soul, healer, redeemer, provider. Come on, the lifter of my head, my shelter, my foundation, my firm foundation, the rock. But I don't call you the punisher. Come on, I don't, I don't call you a bad father. I don't call you a dad who doesn't love me, who doesn't care about me. So Father, in Jesus' name, come on, if you feel conviction in your heart, Lord, I am sorry that I've ever assigned any name to you or blame to you that you're responsible for harm or hurt in my life. No, God, I fear you. And I reverence you and I, own, I know that only good and love can come from you. So God, forgive me for seeing you wrong. And Lord, right now, I choose to reverence and fear you, God. I fear you above all things in my life. I reverence you and I'm in awe of you above all things in my life. And you have the seat of my heart. God, you have worship from my heart. And I worship you and you alone. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. Come on, pray this. I ask you to forgive me for partnering with Phobos, with fear. And I, I ask you to just break that fear off my life and I command it to be broken in Jesus' name and I cast fear out of my life by the blood of Jesus. And I'm asking you, Father, to replace that fear with Yera, that Phobos with reverence with love, with perfect love. Let your perfect love that casts out all fear. See, in your perfect love, God, I know that you have me safe and secure and nothing could harm me. 
So God, I just absolutely lean into your arms. God, I run to the mountain where you say I should go, which is where you are. And God, I, I reach up to you, God, and I, I say, Father, save me, rescue me. I run into your arms. I lean into your arms, God. Bless your name, Jesus. You're so good, God. There's none like you. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and his perfect love drives out all unhealthy fears. Reverence and fear of the Lord is to know him right and he is love and he is good. Amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.